0: Hi, welcome to the Cruise Control Podcast. I'm Ryland Cruz. And
1: I am Gavin Davis.
0: And we are here to talk to you about whatever comes out of our weird brains. And we hope you enjoy, and we know we do.
1: Hello, hello welcome to our show today we're going to talk about stories
0: yeah and how uh the human psyche uh, conceptualizes these stories through subconscious desires that they want to see fulfilled or how they relate to specific stories um but yeah you got any good ones any ones you're told by the fire as a youth gavin <laughs> your little eight-year-old boy
1: Just aesop fables
0: aesop's fables freak yeah
1: Boy who cried wolf as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And the one with the the two stupid goats. <laughs> but the golden egg. Yeah, the golden egg one. But it's interesting because um how some stories survive and some don't. And I guess it's because either the um lesson of the story remains true, or um you relate to the characters through a personal experience, or just even like on a deep and deeper level, with some of the epics, how you like wish you were, you know, your innate desire to like succeed, like the union hero archetype.
1: Yeah, which is the union hero archetype? Is it just a hero goes through suffering, and then through that suffering, they gain the ability to achieve? Is that what that is? Uh,
0: well, the union uh, hero's journey. So it starts off uh, with the hero's call to adventure, and then the refusal to the call of adventure, but through the guidance of a mentor, which can be represented archetypally through um, curiosity as represents the mentor and denial being logic. Okay. And then, um, because in order to cross into the unknown, which is fundamentally what the hero archetype is about, you have to deny logic to a certain extent, because if you didn't go into the unknown, Like, because the unknown is just things you don't know. And the rationality of your current knowledge has only so long. So you have to go beyond that. So to an extent, it's denying whatever rational thought you possess because it's something you don't understand because you're crossing into something that you're not familiar with.
1: Or even denying self. Like Lord of the Rings whenever uh, Frodo knows that he could most likely die. It's like a denial of self as
0: well. Well, that's later in the story because that's part of the struggle. Okay. But um, yeah, then after you cross the threshold, um, you face tests and dangers, which is the Frodo thing, you know, to where uh, he knows that his life is threatened and he knows that he could die, but he still chooses to complete the task, believing it was worth it, believing that, uh, you know, it would all turn out in the end, just pure altruism. And then... um. After that, uh, in the union archetype, there is uh, devotional love and then the temptation to quit, which is an interesting one because I think we all face that, you know, is that going on a journey that we, you know, believe to be best because if we're going to cross into the quote unquote unknown, which can be anything, you know, represented through our lives or just Mm -hmm. in hero archetypes, it's generally literally the unknown, but in our lives, it can be represented through getting a new job, you know, relationships. relationships, yeah, leaving the house. And there's always a temptation to quit and to turn back to what's familiar, you know, which is incredibly interesting because uh, we left in the first place because we believed it to be better. It's sort of like the uh, Israelites in Egypt, you know, whenever they left Egypt, wandered through the desert um, after being enslaved. And they were like, well, why can't we just go back to Egypt? At least we had food there because they were starving in the desert."
1: It's true, and a lot of the times there's an exchange that happens for uh, this type of thing whenever you try to fulfill your story, because everybody lives out some kind of story in their life, some kind of adventure. So whenever we try to fulfill that story, we usually reach a point where we have to make a decision whether or not it's worth fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people decide that it's not worth fulfilling, and a lot of people do.
0: It just depends. Uh, from person to person, because Mm -hmm. some people just don't feel like they can cross into that realm. Um, but yeah, after that, after the temptation to quit is facing death. And a lot of the time that's sort of represented as, you know, the boss battle, um, like in a lot of stories, like Lord of the, like in Lord of the Rings, Fro facing Sauron or, uh, you know, I guess in, uh, the Odyssey, it'd be like, uh, Odysseus facing Scylla. Or the mentors, or not the mentors, the suitors. Um, and it's interesting because eventually it gets to the worst, you know? And you have to really decide if you want to turn back or, you know, fulfill the journey you decide to set out on. And uh, what's interesting about this is uh, Carl Jung, who's a psychologist, uh, he believed that all these archetypal stories were rooted in the human psyche and their desire. Uh, to achieve certain uh, aspirations in life. But what's interesting is uh, he believed that these were rooted in dreams. Like that's how the origin of these uh, mythos were birthed is through people dreaming. And he believed that dreams were our subconscious desires, fears, and actions all compiled uh, through like our unconscious bridging into our conscious through these sort of stories in our brains, which is insane to think about how your brain just comes up with these dreams. You know, it's such an odd thing to think of, eh?
1: It is, and I guess that's why entertainment is so wildly successful as well, is that it creates the same type of energy that you feel from a movie. Like if you watch a movie about like karate, especially if you're younger, you want to go and practice karate. Yeah, I guess the more life experience you have, and the more of your own story that you've fulfilled, the less that hearing other stories impacts you.
0: Well, it's just who you idolize.
1: It is, but at least everybody is impacted by the stories that they read and the stories that they see, and that's why even like your parents' stories are so important to you as a child. And it makes sense.
0: Well, it directly relates to you, you know, your parents' stories, because you know their struggle is your struggle, because it directly relates to you. In your existence. And it's interesting because um, whenever Jung uh, first studied dreams, uh, he believed that not only is it like your subconscious desires, but also your fears, which is an odd thing, you know, because, uh, and it was represented through symbols. So there's a lot of universal symbolism in dreams, like uh, feeling confined in like a coffin can mean feeling trapped. Because our brain doesn't necessarily know how to process these emotions in a concrete fashion because they're abstract. Emotions are very complicated and it's doing its best to translate that into an image and to make you understand it and to compartmentalize whatever, you know, complicated emotions, feelings and subconscious desires and fears and phobias you're feeling, you know?
1: And also generally emotions are a result of the brain not having to worry as much about simple tasks of survival. Mm -hmm. Because you know if you're doing something you don't really have time to be emotionally like unstable whereas if you are more fortunate in that you don't have to worry about certain things like that then you're allowed to by your body you're allowed by your body to do things like that and uh it's it's a good sign that all around the world we've reached a relatively the point where survival isn't something that's heavily thought upon by most people like the majority of people aren't worried about living
0: Mm -hmm, unless you go to like third world countries
1: unless you do yes but even there it's better than it was Mm -hmm. it's not good but it's better than it was and by a long shot as well mm -hmm. until you get into like truly distant societies like those tribes in africa that have never had human contact outside of themselves
0: Mm -hmm. or like uh those South American Amazonian, like, forest people?
1: Yeah, the ones. Or like, even the island people.
0: <laughs> those, I'm thinking of, like, uh, you know, those dudes from Indiana Jones, too? <laughs> like, live in the temples and, like, you know, tried to sacrifice uh, Indiana Jones's girlfriend? Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it's interesting because I suppose... Uh, it's even gotten to an unhealthy extent that that our emotions have expanded in that way because we've had to worry less about survival. And in a weird way, we've reverted more to an uh, egocentric pathway of thinking. But that's like as a result of survival. But in a weird way, it's become more emotional, Mm -hmm. at least as of late. Like uh, a teenager now is more anxious than a person in a psych ward in 1950s, you know? Like, it's odd because our brains, instead of having to worry about, you know, necessities, instead focus on trivial things because it needs to. Your brain has to focus on something.
1: And so it'll create something to focus on if there's nothing for it to focus on, even.
0: Exactly. That's why um, people hallucinate in sensory deprivation tanks because literally their body doesn't know how to respond when zero senses are being used. So it'll just create them in your brain. So people will literally hallucinate whenever they're in these sensory deprivation tanks.
1: And here's another crazy thing is suicide. Like the path that your brain has to go down for that to become an option. It shows a lot of things. And the first of them being that your brain is so hungry for some kind of struggle that it will literally create a life or death scenario within itself mm-hmm. in order to, you know, be busy with something.
0: Well, and that's also part of the union archetype is that, In order to cross into the unknown, you have to be at some level desiring to struggle to overcome because humans don't chase pleasure or utopia. We chase adventure because if we had everything we wanted, there would be nothing to achieve and we would just be depressed. You know, it's like you see so many actors that just like shoot up on drugs Mm -hmm. and, you know, get arrested and go crazy because they've already achieved utopia. They don't have any goals and you don't have any goals. You just, You go crazy.
1: And another extent of the hero's archetype would be the hero after he's achieved the thing that he set out to do. Yeah. What happens to the hero after he's achieved what he set out to do? Like the Hobbit. After the Hobbit, we have Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. Even though the hero has tried to settle down, he can't keep himself from chasing the adventure.
0: Well, it's master of two worlds. Uh, He becomes the mentor. Yes. But still he does seek that adventure. But, um, It's also easier easier for him to seek out adventure because he's already been there. He's already done that. Um, It's not as unknown to him.
1: Which is why there's like interesting people as well. We have interesting people because they're the kinds of people that have already achieved things that are interesting. And so they just continue to do so in order to interest themselves. Mm -hmm. And so that makes them into interesting people. And it's also why we have boring people. It's people who haven't had their stories and so... They don't seek them out Mm -hmm. and they haven't experienced it. And then that leaves them without any things that they've learned from stories. Exactly. Interesting people are interesting for what they know and what they've done. Mm -hmm. It's a combination of the two.
0: And it's like you can't think purely logical about a lot of facets of life because life is inherently illogical, you know? Very much so. It just is not even within the realm of rationale like our existence, you know? Like, no matter your religious beliefs, it's just insane that we exist and that we exist to such an extent to where we can talk about these things, you know? We're not just, you know, beings creeping along the earth floor or trying to get whatever food we can, you know? We're actually talking about complex ideas and creating these massive, massive innovations and technology, you know? Mm -hmm. It's crazy how, like, the odds of that occurring are just insane and with that being a precursor to you know logical thought if existence itself is rooted in irrationality logic can only take you so far yes and that's like um what Immanuel Kant wrote about is that eventually uh you will reach a point to where logic cannot sustain you anymore because your brain can only go so far because if everything in like the universe and god is infinite you cannot comprehend it as a finite being
1: and even if everything in the universe is something that has occurred by chance and there is no god then logic will still fail you
0: oh yeah because you
1: can't because the odds of that happening are quite literally none or one
0: it's like a bajillion
1: (laughs) well what, what are the odds of everything that has ever happened happened one
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it depends if you go by a linear timeline or if you go on uh, multiple universes theory, to where like you just live in. Yeah, that's true. But if you like a lot of quantum physicists subscribe to the idea that there are multiple universes where every each... time action you take and it just branches off into an infinite amount.
1: It's almost like just an extent of Newton's law. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. It's just. Well, it wouldn't
0: necessarily happened. have to be opposite. It would just have to be different, you know? Like, it could be the same, just different enough to be not the same as the previous action. It's like Schrodinger's cat um, with quantum superpositions. And basically what that is, is like, until a quantum particle is viewed, it's in a superposition, which means it's in every position at once. Uh, And this is illustrated through Schrodinger's cat. It's like if I put uh, nuclear waste in a box with a cat... The cat's either alive or dead, but it's simultaneously both alive and dead before I view it, which is an odd thing. It
1: it is, and it's something that I don't fully understand. I understand (laughs) the concept of it, but it's something that's so just... It seems paradoxical, although it's not.
0: Well, you got to have one massive brain to look into all these, you know... Uh, quantum physics like dude physicists are like crazy 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 high in iq
1: yeah they are by
0: a lot <laughs> like it's insane like the things that they come up with the majority of us can't even comprehend you know and they're crafting these ideas
1: and a lot of them can't even comprehend the things that their colleagues have created
0: yeah which is insane
1: and the problem with that is probably more language based than it is uh, understanding based Mm-hmm. Because it's so hard to explain like things like that because it seems paradoxical. Mm.
0: And plus it's like a, and like the thing with languages is that transferring information from one being to another through speech, you it's can a lose a
1: flawed way of
0: communicating. Yeah. Cause you lose information because not only is it going through a flawed brain, but it's transferring into another flawed brain with entirely different experiences mm-hmm. and belief systems and ways of thinking. From yours you know so it's not going to be understood the same way you did regardless of who you are you know so it's incredible that like these geniuses were able to transfer like insane like revolutionary ideas throughout time because they had to make it simple enough to where it made sense but complicated enough to where you checked all the boxes that were required to make it make sense
1: It's not even about it being complicated enough to do anything. It's just about making your observation able to be understood.
0: Yeah, but that's part of being complicated because, you know, gravity, it's a very complicated thing. You know, there's like a lot of moving pieces. And if you're able to conceptualize that into one, like a singular theory, Mm -hmm. then that takes a lot, a lot of legwork, man.
1: But most things are extremely, extremely, like even language Mm It is insanely complicated that's
0: crazy language is crazy crazy complicated
1: the fact that we've formed language like evolutionarily is insane oh yeah which is one of the better arguments that apologetics have used in my opinion against true atheism is that how would creatures like us learn to communicate i mean aside from the fact that we exist which is in and of itself absolutely insane how do we learn to communicate with each other if that's not what we were originally seeking out? Well, I suppose um, like out of necessity, you would want to learn to communicate, but that's something that has almost resulted of us being able to communicate is now that we're dependent upon it. But I mean,
0: well, I suppose you would need to communicate because you'd need to spread out and harvest more resources. So, you know, I suppose like, You could for basic things, like if I pointed to this. I just think it's weird with like bridge words like the and and, you know, like because you could just say things consecutively if it was purely out of necessity. Like if I said, you know, like rock tree branch get, you know, you'd understand what I meant. But it's odd when you add in these like trivial words to language. But I don't know. I suppose I can understand uh, if you were like... uh, an atheist and you thought of language as evolutionary, but you would need a lot of time. And I think the word millions and billions being thrown around so, you know, carefree, like we can't even conceptualize that amount of time. No. And for that many moving pieces to be active and nothing to, you know, collapse in on itself and then believing that, you know, a hundred or 200 years of our existence. Uh, In industrialism is causing it to rapidly collapse. You know? That's insane. Yeah, it's insane.
1: But I mean, if we've been around for, you know, millions and millions and millions of years and yet our language is maybe a couple hundred thousand years old, like even according to the evolutionary scale, it tends to be a couple hundred thousand years that we've been communicating with each other at least with speech so that seems like a very short amount of time comparatively to develop that like if we've been around for you know 20 million years
0: Well, suppose it depends on what time scale you're going by because some people would argue like uh uh jane goodall i believe that found out that uh apes communicate Mm -hmm. you know so it depends where you start if apes or even dolphins, because dolphins communicate, yes, or whales or orcas. You know, so it depends where you draw that line of communication because if you're...
1: But why do humans communicate on a different level
0: than these... Because smarter we're smarter.
1: Orcas? Right, but why? Why are we smarter? Well,
0: because uh, we're smarter because uh, they believe that the mutations that we've achieved through progressing through time at a slow pace has resulted in a higher being that is capable of higher thought that can benefit it. Uh, by achieving not only homeostasis, but thriving in its environment because uh, we have that vast intelligence, you know? And then, like, if we get a complicated uh, version of our language, then we can expand trade because we further understand what different plants and different, you know, fish and how those things benefit us, you know? Mm -hmm. And we can also organize. I
1: the question would be, why are only humans able to do this?
0: Well, do what? Communicate? Because that's not true.
1: No, large-scale organization.
0: Large-scale organization? Well, that's also not true because they have packs.
1: But I'm saying species-wide, like... It's not packs. Like, we had tribes much longer than we've had a global trade system.
0: No, oh, yeah. But what do you mean?
1: Like why are humans the only creature that can... Well, that one is willing to sacrifice themselves for people that they don't know like there's not a different animal species that does that Mm -hmm. and again it boils down to emotions and but why would we do that because that doesn't make any sense evolutionarily either oh no there's no point in sacrificing yourself for a creature that you haven't met but that happens that happens in humans
0: well i suppose that just plays into natural rights you know that humans have intrinsic value and that's uh Ingrained in our brains beforehand, you know, mm-hmm. and then uh, the question is, where do those natural rights come from? They're yeah. not beneficial to us evolutionarily. And then so
1: therefore they have to come from some other
0: like a higher being, like a higher being but know? some make sense and some don't. That's the thing is mm-hmm. like you can understand certain. Moral certain yeah, certain moral things could have resulted from evolution. If you're talking like purely, purely reductionistic mm-hmm. of like an atheist mindset, but some don't. If we're trying to purely achieve homeostasis, which, you know, like love is the most complicated because it just doesn't make sense.
1: It doesn't make sense at all.
0: Because, (laughs) you know, why would you willingly give up a lot of your emotional state to someone who could not receive who not only might not reciprocate that feeling, but could turn that against you? You know, like people who are manipulated and end up in abusive situations like it's such an odd, odd thing because you can't just develop love. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of, like, evolution, because a lot of those species aren't monogamous. You know, they obviously don't have affection for an individual mate.
1: I'm not aware of a species that is infectious, not that sticks with an individual mate. I was about to say, there's, there's monogamous there's, apes. There's, there's a lot of monogamous apes, and I think there's other types of animals that are as well. Like certain types of birds are monogamous, but I'm not aware of any that are, like, Well, obviously not out of a moral sense, because...
0: feel strong affection?
1: feel strong affection.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Which is such an odd thing. It's not a
1: commitment thing, because commitment makes relative sense evolutionarily. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially for humans.
0: Especially for apes, because apes are fertile for longer than uh, the majority of those animals.
1: Right. And it's for the same reason that it makes sense for humans. But it's strange, because humans are the only ones that do it out of a want for something besides reproduction Reproduction,
0: yeah it's so odd you know like connections to humans Mm. and it's odd because what they reciprocate can't even be like fabricated or measured on a scale it can't it can't you literally like how can you measure love because we all feel it in different ways yeah and
1: we all express it in different ways
0: as well yeah like it's just it's such an odd, complicated concept. And it's weird because everyone feels like they understand it. You know? Like, universally, we're like, oh, I know what love is.
1: Well, everybody kind of does. does.
0: But at the same time, you don't. You can comprehend we, it, but you can't understand it. We because know it's so... love
1: because we all have love. But we don't all know each other's different kinds of love. Yeah. Like, I have my love and you have your love. My love is not your love. Therefore, I'm not understanding of your love. I can be empathetic towards it. Mm-hmm. and try to put myself into that position. But either way, I still won't understand your love and you not, nor mine.
0: It's just so... And like, it's odd because people end up in situations where if they don't feel love, then they just get depressed, you know? Which is odd because if you're going from a purely evolution standpoint, not having love would be a strong, strong benefit because you don't have yeah. attachment to any human being and it won't stop you from thriving. You know, it's such an odd, odd thing.
1: And it's also relatively odd that we consider rape a bad thing from an evolutionary standpoint. Mm -hmm. Because there's no problem with that because the entire goal of evolution is just reproduction.
0: Well, yeah. Is to survive in terms of a species and individual standpoint, you know, and like even murder. Because murder, it can taint your reputation as being a murderer, but just individual murder. Mm -hmm. Like if you're alone with someone. And you can kill them and take their resources without leaving, you know, a trace of evidence or without, you know, having to feel the repercussions, especially early, early on in history to where there wasn't like a whole lot of law enforcement or, you know, abiding to specific laws. You could have easily just killed someone and taken their resources, but that didn't happen.
1: Well, I mean, the first set of laws that we know of is what?
0: Natural rights. Mm. Yes, I suppose it's the earliest is Hammurabi's code.
1: Yeah, Hammurabi's code, Mesopotamia era. So, and that was what was eye
0: really for an less eye.
1: Less than ten thousand years ago.
0: Uh, I don't know. I can look it up, but I don't remember when the Hammurabi's code was first originated. But it was essentially just, uh, karma. You know, eye for an eye.
1: Right. It was. But uh, and then you see the opposite of that with Jesus. Because mm-hmm. he literally quoted Hammurabi and said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You've heard it said, but this is not the way. So it's interesting that...
0: Uh, yeah, you were right. 1,754 BC. So basically 2,000.
1: Okay. So that's about 4,000 years ago. Yeah. Wow. That was a lot shorter than I thought. But that's such a short amount of time for law. Because mm-hmm. there would have been something that predated written law, but
0: natural rights <laughs> natural
1: rights and as well as just social law i suppose be mm-hmm. the best way or social rule
0: if i share my mammoth then you get mammoth later like virtue of trade you Or know? i
1: don't kill you because you could i
0: have a reputation as a killer mm-hmm. or you could provide resources for me
1: right but back to where this all started mm-hmm. to try to loop it back around to the to the stories of the great heroes um, it's interesting that they're all very moral people that have to make immoral decisions most of the time,
0: mm-hmm. and they always run into a dilemma. You know, to where it's not only a deviation from like, like the opportunity to deviate from a physically and like mentally hard strife, but a moral one as well.
1: Mm. And sacrifice—it's such a such a key component in a lot of those stories. Oh yeah, like people either have to sacrifice friends or sacrifice themselves, and that's that's a good way to make a story make sense to humans. And we honor that. you we know, honor that. We honor sacrifice. much more so than we honor many other things. And that's probably a good thing that we do.
0: Yeah. Well, the more moral, generally speaking, a society is, the better it thrives. Yes. you know, because then you have uh, individuals that not only are better off uh, by themselves, but in a collective because, you know, If you contribute to a society at a higher level, then that society tends to thrive.
1: It does. And uh, I think that's a pretty good coverage of our views on stories. And (laughs) I think we're going to conclude this episode here.
0: Yeah, we're going to conclude it. But that was fun. That was was a good talk. It was. No jokes were made, surprisingly enough. (laughs) We kept it very, very business. It was very serious. Yeah.
1: We had a lot of stuff to say. Mm Mm-hmm. Any of it good? We don't know about that. but Yeah, they had a lot of stuff to say. So, thank you for listening. Goodbye. We love you.
0: Goodbye. Thanks for listening, guys. We really appreciate it.
1: And shows like this really just need community support in order to stay afloat. So it would mean the world to us if you could share this with anybody that you think would be interested in hearing what we have to say.
0: Yeah, share it. This is a threat, not a request. We are threatening you. You better share this.
1: If you do not share this, we will un—I don't know—life you. We will unlife you.
0: I'm going to take your Minecraft account and delete it. You hear me? I'm going to take all your Robux.
1: I'm going to take your Club Penguin account and steal all of your Penguin points. I'm
0: going to take your Club Penguin account and I'm going to charge a membership to it. You hear me? So you better, you better share this. All right. Thank you. Love you. Bye.